0: series that we started last week. How many enjoyed Will Eifler? Raise your hands. Yeah, give him a clap. Give him a clap. Yeah, put your hand. I don't know if he was as impressed as you are today with his message, but I happen to feel as though it was a great sermon and um, got me thinking about a lot um, in regards to obedience to the Great Commission. Essentially, I think that was kind of the heart and tone of his sermon um, if you would, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. will be in chapter 28, I believe. I'm going a bit old school, so you have to forgive me. I'm not as gifted as my wife, who can just pretty much speak off the cuff, hoping that every sentence that she gives lands in some kind of cl- uh, clarity or some kind of provoking thought. And so I'm really a, a preacher who is bound to my notes. So I have um, <laughs> uh, 33 uh, pages of... Uh, my sermon notes before me, so, uh, and I usually do this uh, with an iPad. Unfortunately, um, my family's not with us this Sunday. They are uh, up north, um, and my son, before I left last night to go back home to get ready for Sunday, he, um, well, you know, he's, we got to pray for Abram, if you would throw one up for me, Um, he took my iPad from my bag last night, and I, I traveled like two hours back home, Opened my bag just to realize that little guy got it. And so uh, I had to print my notes out, had to have my wife send them to me. But um, nevertheless, you're going to hear me flipping a lot uh, through the pages of my sermon. Is that okay? All right. You happy? Are you happy to be in church? I'm happy you're here. Yeah, I'm happy you're here. So again, my name is Daryl Temple. If you don't know, we have a lot of new faces here. Uh, this morning, um, welcome back, uh, students. If you're here um, and maybe you're a first year or a second year, third year, whatever, we just want to welcome you back to the city, welcome back to the church, um, and yeah, just welcome back to the family and the community of God. Uh, again, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 28, I believe. Um, here in this chapter, Jesus closes out with, well, uh, his kind of parting words, his parting words before he ascends into heaven is to his disciples, is go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Now, there's kind of like three things that I hope to do today uh, with today's sermon. One is to kind of build upon Will's uh, sermon last Sunday and, and, and just talk briefly about how it really just takes obedience to the Great Commission to kind of pull off the Great Commission. And then second to that, I want to build upon how we, the people of God, need a love for the gospel because it's only by a love for the gospel that we'll actually have a love for lost people. And then thirdly, I I hope to convey, I hope to articulate clearly that, that when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, he just didn't have a select people in mind that he wanted us to go to. When he said go into the world, he meant, well, Go to all humanity. Go to humankind. So there's no special people group in which the Lord is calling us to. He's just calling us to what? People. And so if that if that leads you just to, to share the Gospel with your neighbor, then so be it. If it leads you to share the Gospel with a coworker, or if it brings you across the globe to some unreached people, then it's all for the glory of God. And it's all about being faithful to the Great Commission. So, In order to talk about obedience, though, I want to set the scene up a little bit here and talk first about the not-so-ideal circumstances surrounding Jesus' charge to his disciples. Right? I mean, here Jesus is fresh out of the grave. He commissions his friends to go into the world making disciples of all nations. A world that I might add, just some time before this, put him on trial, and then viciously put him to death. How about that, guys? I mean, if you're a disciple, what are you thinking, right? I mean, sure, I mean, I'm sure there's a fresh sense of optimism and excitement. Here is Jesus. He's conquered the grave, you know. But again, I mean, Jesus at most revealed himself as the resurrected Christ to just over 500 people. So it's not like the majority of the people knew that Jesus really conquered the grave. So here with this commission, he's really just talking to his, uh, his pack of 12, right? And, and, and I'm sure they're thinking, man, you want us to go into the world bringing the same message that, that you brought and, 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 and just by just maybe facing the same things that you faced. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have to try to put myself in the emotional and the mental state of the disciples. Here is uh, the man before them now who they walked with for three years, right? Three short years in ministry. They saw Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick. Um, He opened the eyes of the blind. Uh, he, he calmed the raging storm. It, this man, he casted out demons. He cleansed leopards and was just days from this time when he makes this charge to his disciples, treated like a criminal, right? Beaten beyond recognition and left for dead on a tree. And now here is the Son of God. He's insisting that his friends go into the world the same world that showed him such hostility and make disciples of all people. This, my friend, is crazy. And if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking, I don't know about this, Jesus. I mean, it's all good. I mean, you're the resurrected Christ, but man, this message, this gospel, well, it it puts you on the cross and I don't know, I don't know, Jesus, if I'm ready to bear the cross like you bared it. But yet Jesus insists he commands. And can I just say that this command to go into the world is just as applicable to you and I today if you are a believer in Christ that it was to the disciples in that day. But really, honestly, this would probably make more sense, right? If, if Jesus' ministry uh, went out with making some kind of significant impact in the world prior to his charge to go. Now, don't hear me. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't make an impact. That would be ridiculous. But the way it all ended, if you're an outsider, and you're not an insider, you're not a disciple, you're not part of Jesus' posse, you may think from just observation that this man epically failed. <laughs> I mean, it... It couldn't get any worse, right? I mean, the man achieved so much in ministry, but yet it ended off with his death. I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm an outsider, right, who knows, again, nothing of Jesus' resurrection. I'm thinking Jesus' attempts to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth was a bit of a It was a bit of a failure. And and I'm thinking, if I'm a disciple, I'm probably thinking, like, like, could you give us something more to work with, Jesus? Right? I mean, it would make more sense if if your moment, Jesus, didn't end with such a massive defeat like death. Right? Maybe it was just some bad PR, a bad post on social media. But you died. I mean, it it'd be a lot easier if you went out with a bag. Right? Uh, Maybe if you were at the height of your career and you didn't die, you had a big social media following, following, right? Like a Hebrew rock star kind of guy. Kind of like the same way you started Jesus. Why couldn't you finish it that way? I mean, that would make it more appealing, right? I mean, not just for the person who's being commissioned to go, but the person who's hearing. I mean, if I'm hearing the message of Christ, I'm like, really, You you want me to follow this man who ended up on, you know, The cross, he was put to death. I mean, he he, he claimed to be the son of God, but yet humans put him on a tree and killed him. I don't know. I don't know where this is all going. But Jesus doesn't go out as a Hebrew rock star. He goes out as or he goes out on, excuse me, on a rather sour note. That's just the truth of it. He goes out dying, and it's only a select few that actually know that he is now beaten the grave and with his disciples. He's not at the height of his popularity. Matter of fact, his popularity ratings are low, right? I mean, and there he is with a small group of leftover disciples, (laughs) a small handful of guys saying, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, bringing with you the same commands, the same message that got me killed. Good luck, guys. (laughs) Now now I say this. This is important, right? And again, to build off of Will's message. uh, I say this because the disciples' willingness to go along was such a, a planned... A plan, excuse me, is strictly based upon obedience and not hype. Now that has to be said in 2019. Because you know what? I'm not going to name any names, but there is a lot of hype around missions today. I don't know if you've heard, and I'm not going to get into the specifics. Because it would so shine a light on some ministries that I, I love. But yet, going is not about hype. It's about obedience. That's the way it is, and it was then, and it is now. It should always be about obedience. Can I say that obedience, excuse me, will always take you further than hype. Hype is very fleeting, but obedience will lock you in to the call of God, and if that takes you across the globe, then I'd rather go off or go to the mission's field because of a word, because of obedience, not because of hype. But obedience, guys, is risky business, is it not? Right? There's a lot of risk involved with obeying God. Right? I mean, for example, take Paul the Apostle. Actually, you could take any one of the apostles. Right? But take Paul, for example. Um, Paul made some enemies, right? I mean, if you read, like, I mean, some of his books, he didn't have, like, a lot of friends, you know? He wasn't, you know, I mean, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, Paul said that the gospel was a stumbling block to the Jew and was perceived as foolishness to the Gentile. Paul's letter in Ephesians was written in jail, and he went there for preaching the gospel. So, so gospel sharing is risky business, but I'm sure we would all agree that it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth the risk. Now, let's break this down to America. What does evangelism look like in the West? I mean, let, let's, let's be honest, right? You're probably not going to lose your life because you shared your faith with a coworker. I mean, you're probably not going to be in prison because you just had a conversation about Jesus with your neighbor. At most in America, what? You'll be rejected. You may be perceived as being weird, but at most you will be rejected, period. So the risk of of being rejected, I would say for sharing your faith, is well worth it. Matter of fact, let me just say this, just in case you think I'm getting weird. Uh, Any risk, any risk, rather, is your life, Rather, it is being imprisoned for, the, for sharing the gospel or if it's just simply being labeled as weird is worth one person becoming a child of God. You can clap. It's okay. It's a safe place. I, it's all right. Yeah, just, you know, if you're going to go for it, just go all the way. Commit. Commit. That's right. All right. Praise God. But any risk is worth it, right? If it means one person gets to hear the good news, Of Jesus Christ. But I want to make this somewhat relatable for us this morning. I I want to bring it right home. I'm not really interested all that much at at, at the onset of talking about global missions. I'm I want to talk a little bit about local missions. I, I haven't met one person who is kind of excited about global missions that doesn't get equally excited about just sharing their faith with their neighbor. Our a coworker. matter of fact i'm of the belief that if it's not first happening in kind of your sphere you kind of your friend group or your work group or your neighborhood then most likely it's not going to happen it's not going to lead you to the unreached people of the world and so i want to talk a little bit about here in in, in america and, and first i want to kind of just highlight some of the um, distractions and things that I think get us caught up and distracted when it comes to just sharing our faith with unbelievers. Now, me and my wife, from time to time, if you can imagine, we do talk to each other. Um, <laughs> no, that's not where I wanted to go with that joke. But um, time after time, I mean, I'm sure we can all relate. Sometimes our conversation has to do with church. Yep, we are just like every other human being in that we bring work home with us. From time to time. And, and usually that conversation, um, that recurring conversation is about the massive flow. Re- remember, I want to make this relatable for us, but usually that conversation is about the massive flow of churchgoers, let's call them, uh, circulating from church, from one church to another. Now, now this is hard-hitting, but it's a real truth. Statistically, in America, most growth in the church is not due to new believers coming to put their faith in Christ. That's, that's sad, but if you Google it, you look into it, it's true. It, it, it's, it's, it's not due to people being saved and being added to the church and the kingdom of God. It, it's not due because new disciples. Now, this is, I'm broadly speaking here. There are certainly places within the states where uh, churches are seeing uh, a massive, uh, uh, you know, like, Loads of people put their faith in Christ. But I'm I'm going to bring it here to Cambridge. Uh, Statistically, most people, most church growth has nothing to do about new converts being made. This is sad. It's sad. And I I, I point this out because, unfortunately, the mission of the church kind of gets hijacked. Because its new focus becomes about... Um, trying to make the unhappy churchgoer happier at church. So, so instead of getting and being missional, we're more focused on just like, how can we make you happy? So the church more, looks more like Walmart than it does Acts. This is a tragedy. It really is. Again, instead of the church making or being focused, I should say, on making new disciples and new converts, it's focused on making recycled Christians uh, happier at church. In other words, instead of the church focusing and reaching the lost, its focus becomes satisfying the needs of often the hurting and the disgruntled. And this is an indictment. This is, I believe... that that God is speaking clear to us right now in this moment to to somehow, by His grace, redirect the course of the church in America and, and, and make our focus again about reaching the lost. So I bring this up, I bring this up because the church's efforts in reaching the unsaved, hear me, should be one, one of its greatest priorities. The longevity of church doesn't depend upon making unhappy Christians happier with their church. The longevity of the church depends on making new disciples for Christ. A church that no longer reaches beyond its four walls to the world is a church that is in danger of closing its doors to the world. And ultimately, here is the biggest kicker. A church that does not take reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ seriously is a church that does not take the gospel serious. Let me say that again. A church that does not take reaching people with the gospel seriously does not take the gospel I just want that to set in for a little while. Because we're in a weird place in America. We're in a weird place in the church today where we've become uh, a better place of, um, uh, of service rather than uh, of reaching uh, people. We're, we're, we're more into how can we make a difference, how can we best serve you. I'm all into that. And listen, by the way, I, just this little disclosure I'm all in for finding the right church. I, I am. I- I- I kudos to you who are searching. But at some point, bring that search to an end. Don't treat church like a buffet table. Lock in. Plug in. And give your life to it. <laughs> so building upon a church that does not take reaching... People with the gospel seriously does not take the gospel seriously. Um, The only way, guys, now hear me, the only way for our hearts to be apprehended with a genuine love for lost people that, that results in gospel spreading is that we first need to be apprehended by the gospel message ourselves, meaning that it needs to lay hold of our hearts, right? Uh, uh, we need to be captured by the love of God expressed in the gift of his son's sacrifice for us. It, it needs to get inside of us. It not just need to be something that we go, you know, like we arrive to in our intellect, but it's something that we are arrested and captured within our hearts. And in order to love and to reach lost people, our hearts, our hearts need to be captured with love for the gospel. The simple fact that You have been made, through Christ, a child of God. That you have been reconciled to God the Father. That your sins have been forgiven. Those simple truths right there, and we could go on forever about them, should cause your heart, should cause my heart, to erupt inside with love for God. Equally, equally, it should cause our hearts to erupt with gospel-spreading efforts and missional work in the world. In other words, the Great Commission, right? Uh, Thus, love for the gospel equals the spreading of the gospel. Are you hearing me this morning? We can't put one before the other. If you try to put efforts of reaching people with a Gospel that you have no love for, no interest in, you've just become bored and overly familiar, you will sound annoying. You will be a a clinging symbol in the ear of the unsaved. But man, when that thing mixes up with love, with love for the Gospel, man, it's a sweet sound. You cannot put the spreading of the Gospel before a love for the gospel it will not work this is why paul says to timothy in 1 timothy 1:8 you can turn there our scripture for the day here's paul saying this in verse 8 of chapter 1 of 1 timothy therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our lord nor of me his prisoner but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You know, I used to think Paul said this to Timothy because Paul knew Timothy was of a kind of uh, timid disposition, right? Like he, if you read uh, some of uh, chapter 1 of First Timothy, uh, you, you, you come to find that Paul encourages uh, uh, Timothy not to shrink back because of his age, to not be timid. But, but Paul is not writing this because of Timoth, uh, Timothy's timidity. Sorry, that's a lot of T's put together. I get kind of tripped up. Um, Paul is saying this because he himself is proud of the gospel. He's proud of the gospel. And you can see this in Paul's work, right? He, he loves the story of Jesus' crucifixion, his burial and resurrection, and what it means for our reconciliation and our resurrection, I mean, this shouldn't come as a surprise to us. Paul is not saying, hey, listen, Timothy, don't be timid. Uh, Don't be ashamed. He's saying, Timothy, I am very proud of this gospel. Therefore, be proud of this gospel also. And it's kind of interesting that Paul would say this while he's in prison. I don't know about you, but I get wind of like a good apostolic friend of mine in prison. I'm going to have second thoughts about his character. I'm thinking, bro. I don't. I don't know. Like you, straight up. Like this is this is what TMZ said. <laughs> there essentially is a link, and we say this time and time again, and it needs to be said over and over and over again. There is a link between the second greatest commandment. And the first, that's Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Essentially, if we love God, right, with all our heart, then we'll love our neighbor as ourselves. This is how these commandments kind of work together. Uh, um, Matter of fact, again, we can't have the first commandment. We can't live out a pure, authentic love for God. Um, I mean, we cannot live out, I should say, an authentic love for the lost unless God becomes uh, uh, what we cherish the most and what we treasure the most. Why? Because the truest and most clearest form of love comes from God, for God is what? Love, 1 John 4, 7, and 8. So where is the definition? Where is the clarity going to come from? How are we going to know how to love people we're not inclined to love? It's going to come by loving God first. In other words, one begets another. If we truly have the first commandment living in our hearts, then the second naturally follows. But if God is not what we love most, guys, then there is no conceivable way, there's absolutely no way for us to truly love others as God has called the church to love and the most beautiful way that you I think and I can express a genuine sincere love is to share our faith with people John bloom I've said this before in preaching about the first commandment he's an author for desiring God um, and I, I don't want to butcher the statement I don't have it written down here but um he said we Love the the most loving thing we can do for others is love God more. You know what's just ugly? When we're not loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, is that we prefer or we love ourselves. We kind of replace uh, the love of God with the love for self. And, and this shouldn't be or come off as a surprise to us. We can also look at another scripture verse in Timothy, second um, uh, uh, Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says this about the last days for people will be lovers of self lovers of money, proud, arrogant, and abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. When the first commandment is not predominantly consuming, I guess for lack of better words, our lives in that Our thoughts are given to loving God. Our heart is given to loving God. Our body is given to loving God. With our strength, we love God. When when that is not in kind of its proper place, then the love of self becomes predominant. And and that in and of itself is a distraction. It's a deterrence away from what God has called us, the mission that He has given us. I haven't met one self-centered person that gives a rip about lost people me included, when the love for God is absent, then the love of self is paramount. In other words, just to summarize this part, if we want to see people come to put their faith in Christ, then our hearts must fall deeply in love with Christ. This is the ABCs, right? This is the one, two, threes of faith. But it's so true, and if we miss it, we miss everything. We might as well not preach about the Great Commission. If we don't have a greater love for Christ, then what is the point? There is no point. There is no point. So, two things that I want you to take away with you Today. Obedience will always take you further than hype. It will, obedience to the Great Commission will always um, cause you to be actively pursuing um, uh, lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, secondly, a love for the gospel equals a love for gospel spreading, gospel sharing, missional work. And now, lastly, in closing, because I don't want to neglect talking a bit about global missions. Uh, You may be thinking, you know, what about global missions, right? What about unreached people? What about the persecuted or underground church? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. The same uh, principles, I think, apply. The same principles are needed. I mean, you know, I'm I'm no fool. You know, when Jesus gave us the command to go into the earth and make disciples, like, I'm not just talking about local missions there. I know God has given a church, the church the desire to reach beyond its four walls into the nations of the earth. And thank God for that. But there is a starting point to everything. What was it? And this is kind of off my notes, and this is where it can get scary. But, uh, you know, was it not um, Jesus' commission from Judah, Samari- Samarita, Samarita, Samaria, and to the outermost, uh, you know, uh, borders of the world, right? I mean, so there's a starting point, and we build out from there. But again, I, just to kind of reiterate what I said in the beginning, you're not going to find many missionaries that have a heart for the global harvest if they first do not have a heart for the local. It, it's kind of like, it, 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 God just builds it in stages, it all starts with, or at some place with some people. You know, what I want to say about this portion of the teaching, one does not pit itself against the other. G- global missions and local missions, they're not at war with one another. God's not up in heaven saying, oh, you're missing it because you're reaching out to the church. Or, or, or you're missing it because you're neglecting the nations of the earth. They are not at odds with one another. John Piper says this, rather across the fence to your neighbor, or across the desk to a coworker, or across the globe to an unreached people, Jesus calls us to go. All of the above, local and global missions, should be, the mission that the church is put on. And it should be because of love. Because love makes no distinctions. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't say, well, this people are more important and they need the gospel more. Love for the law should be the fuel uh, that, uh, that t- for the engine that uh, motors missions regardless of what that mission is that God gives us. Why? Because love's aim is salvation of all people. Now, I want to read something in closing. This helped me to really um, suss out and, and land on something solid when it comes to grappling with uh, the difference between local missions and global missions. Here is uh, a, a, an illustration. I can't remember the author because it was um, written on my iPad, and unfortunately uh, it's not here, uh, but it's not mine. Um, again, it's an illustration, and I hope it is... Helpful for you as it was helpful for me. Again, when it comes to not pitting local and global missions against one another. Um, Love wills the salvation of the greatest numbers of individuals. Love does not say that any race is more precious than another. Therefore, it would seem that the logic of love by itself would always throw us into the field or people group where the most souls can be saved. Consider this illustration. Suppose there was two luxury liners out on sea, and both began to sink at the same time, with a huge number of people on board who did not know how to swim. Now, that is awkward. That right there is just awkward. I mean, how could you not? Never mind. Okay, and suppose you were in charge of a team of ten rescuers in two large boats. You arrive on the scene of the first sinking ship. Do I need to read like this? Okay, not just kidding. And you find yourself surrounded by hundreds of screaming people, some going down before your eyes, some fighting over scraps of debris, others ready to jump into the water from the sinking ship. Several hundred yards farther away. The very same thing is happening to the same people or a different group of people on another ship. Your heart breaks for the dying people. You long to save as many as you can. So you cry out to your crews to give every ounce of their energy to pull as many as possible from the water. Spare no pain. Spare no effort. There are five rescuers in both boats, and they are working um, with all their might. They are saving many. Then someone cries out from the other ship, come help us. What would love do? I cannot think of any reason that love would leave its labor and go if in fact it is fully engaged in saving people right where it is. Love puts no higher value on distant souls than on nearer souls. The real cornerstone and thrust of all missional work is love. And if that love calls you to the mission's field, then go. Hear it, heed it, and go. But do not be laxed if you do not hear that call to go. If you do not hear that call to go to the unreached people uh, groups of the earth. Hear the call that Jesus has for the people right around you. In the workplace. Another student. In your dorm room a co-worker, a neighbor. Hear it. Heed it. And share your faith. You are a missional people. And rather, if you are on uh, the field of global missions, or you are just on the streets of Cambridge, Massachusetts, be a light and be salt. really wrestled with how to close um, our time together. And I thought the most fitting thing to do was to do and take communion. It's often, I don't know if you're like me, but it's often easy to lose sight, right, of the most precious truths of our faith. And and, in losing sight of those precious truths, there's far more at stake than just you becoming familiar with the story of the Gospel. There's more at stake than you just being absent-minded or or overly familiar in the sense that you no longer have this connection where you're like, oh my God. I'm sorry, not oh my God. Oh Jesus, what You have done for me. Trying to be better at the oh my God thing. Help me, Jesus. It's easy to lose sight of the Gospel. And I, 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 I feel if for nothing else, God is just saying, oh, Daryl, remind them of the Gospel. If they just learn to cherish what's been done for them in Christ, oh, it will be hard for them to be silent. So I don't just take communion this morning because I want to remember what Christ it's done for me. I, I want to take communion because I want the Gospel message again to lay hold of my heart. That it might fuel my missional work in this city and maybe in the nations at some point. I want to invite my good friend Andrew Montoya up. He's going to lead us in the taking of communion.
1: Thank you, Pastor Darryl. So I uh, just want to share a quick word in regards to, to communion and the, um, how special this act is that, that we're going to do right now. Um, I really feel like that as a church, we, we lose sight of the power of communion. It's something that we've made just routine and forget the value of it and do it just once a month or just do it quarterly, when in reality we should be taking communion daily because it's our opportunity to come to the Lord's table and have communion with him. So each time we take communion, it's an opportunity for us to say and proclaim and to confess again that I lay hold of all the benefits of Jesus Christ, everything that he paid at the cross for me that I have the opportunity through this act to receive forgiveness for my sins, to receive health in my body, to receive the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within me. This act is remembering us to the true reality of heaven in our life. It's not meant just to be something that we do once a month, but something that we do to proclaim that heaven is my reality. Heaven is my reality, that the Lord's prepared a table for me in front of my enemies, and I shall not fear, for He has prepared that table. It is His. So this act right here, I just want to create an expectation for you right now that if you need something from the Lord, if you need healing in your body, if you need breakthrough in your life, there is no greater prophetic act than communion. Because it is reminding every single principality that we dine at the Lord's table with Him and the Son. And that there is no power greater than our God. That with the enemies in front of us, we shall not fear. We have peace. And the reality of heaven is ours. So remember that right now as we take communion, it's not just a simple act to do, but something to allow the Holy Spirit all of heaven to come invade your life right now so we have these cups uh in in front of us so uh to in order to open it there's a little peel here in the top just peel it back so father i just thank you for this opportunity to take communion and lord we do not lose sight of its importance We do not lose sight of its value and its power to commune with you at your table, God. We take this bread in remembrance of your body, Jesus Christ. Your body that received whips towards your back for our healing, so we may be healed by your stripes, Jesus. And we drink this this wine, this blood, Father, in remembrance of the blood that you shed at the cross that has set us free that has set us free from all principalities and all things that prevent us from seeing you rightly, God, and from enjoying you in your presence, Father. So Lord, I ask you right now in your name, Jesus, that you touch your children, that you touch them right now where they're at, that as we do this prophetic act, we receive breakthrough in the name of Jesus, that we receive healing in the name of Jesus, for it is your reality, God, and then it's that reality that we receive and accept over our lives, God. So we may go ahead and partake of the, the wafer here. Thank you, Brother Jay. And now partake of the blood. Father, we just thank you. And we say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as in heaven. For right now, we take hold of heaven as our reality, God. So we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to just praise you and worship you and commune with you at your table, God. And in your mighty name, Jesus, we say, come, have your way in our lives. Amen.
0: As we continue this time of worship, I really felt in preparing for this sermon that um, we were to kind of just maybe pray for a couple people that might be struggling, um, specifically in the area of just being a bold witness for Christ. You know, I don't know if there's anybody here that can relate to that. I know that I have, through um, the years, struggled with just um, being bold. Uh, And that doesn't mean being annoying. That just, (laughs) you know... It just means being confident and, and bold, and and sharing my beliefs and, and my faith in Christ. And I feel like there might be other people here, maybe uh, by chance, that possibly could be uh, struggling uh, with timidity. And, and I just, I feel like the Lord wants to kind of prepare an altar here for us just to be able to minister to one another and just believe that God would kind of break some of those chains maybe off of our lives that we might, we might be bold, that we might be confident and sure of that which we're articulating. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but if you just want, you know, a fresh kind of infusion of boldness in your life to just, you know, you, you know that when it's, you know, God comes upon your heart or you feel that kind of tug of the Holy Spirit to just share your faith with that co-worker or just speak openly with that uh, student or, or, or just with your neighbor. If that's you, if you struggle in that area, I just want to prepare a place and just lay hands. Don't be ashamed uh, uh, of responding to this altar call. Uh, if I was there two years ago, I would have responded in it, to it. So uh, yeah, it's come up come on, There's no shame. We just want to deal with this thing because God wants to make us salt and light. Nobody takes uh, their light and hides it under a basket. Nobody just hides away the gospel. Uh, You know, so like we want to let this light, we want to let the gospel shine through us, not just with deeds, but words. Hear me? Not with just good works, but words. So, anybody else want to respond? We're just going to keep this altar open for a couple minutes. And there's a good number of people who have responded, which is great. So I want to invite also the core team. If you're part of the core team here at Hilltop, um, we want you to come up and engage with us to help praying for these people, to encourage. So come up. Don't be timid. Line up with me right here in the front. Come on up, come on up, come on up. I just want to know how many people we have those who have responded. Just keep your eyes closed. Just be praying. I mean, this is the work of God. It's nothing we can do. It's only something God can do. So we're going to rely upon him and trust in him that he's going to do work. So again, if you're part of core team and you're here, we need your help to pray and to encourage these saints. If if you haven't responded, listen, you can still be active. Now's not the time to disengage. Be praying for your brothers and sisters up here who've responded. Just Pray for them right where you're at. Extend your hands and ask God to bring about breakthrough and new boldness in their life. So core team, feel free. Start to pray for these guys and gals. Or just minister to the Lord. Minister to one another. I mean, this is what church is all about. This is what church is all about. Ministering to God and ministering to one another. I just want to encourage everyone in the back, not to disengage, but be praying for these guys and gals up here. Almost like it was you that responded to the call. Almost like it was you that responded to and and needed prayer. Just pray for the saints here. Don't disengage. Don't become disinterested. Lock in with us. Lock in with these brothers and sisters as we believe God for a mighty breakthrough. And those who have responded, just wait for a little while. We're going to get to you. We're not going to rush this thing. We're going to believe God for breakthrough. We are going to believe God to do a glorious work in us. Yes. And those who are praying for our brothers and sisters, don't just be quick. Hear from the Lord. Like, speak the word of the Lord over their lives. Speak to them prophetically. Hear from the Lord for them. And if you're out there and you're praying right now for those who have responded, and you get a word, listen, we're all in this together. Come to the brother or the sister that you have the word for, and release that word, hoping that it might put a deposit of change in their hearts and their lives. Just keep this atmosphere up. Keep, keep this seeking God. Keep this praying to God. Keep it up. Keep it focused and set our eyes on Jesus. Amazing love. Amazing love. my joy to honor you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all I do. I honor you. In all I do. I honor you. In all I do. In all I do. I honor you. In all I do. Amazing love. I honor you. Come on, sing it out. Amazing love. Whoa, amazing love. Right now, God, arrest our hearts with the gospel message again. God, apprehend us with the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Help us to treasure this gospel even more so, God. We want to love your Son, in that he gave his life for us seeking that none would perish but that all would have everlasting love. What an amazing love! My joy Amazing love Amazing love How can be? It's my joy to want to I honor you I honor you yeah in all I do in all we do, Jesus I honor you in all we do in all I do yeah I honor you in all I do in all I do yes I honor you Come on, King Jesus is ministering to people right now. Listen, if you've already received prayer and you're still here, just close your eyes. Jesus is doing something right now in the hearts of individuals. Come on, reach out to him in faith. Come on, reach out to him in faith, knowing that he is a good father, that he does not ignore... The cries of his people. He does not ignore the prayers of his people. He hears, and right now he is hearing from heaven, moving on your and my behalf. Come on. In oh, Jesus you. Oh my declare you king. Jesus. Jesus. That's right, amazing love. Amazing love. It's my joy, One more time, amazing love.
1: Amazing
0: love. How can it be? Thank you, Lord. Break the chains of timidity, God. Break the chains of fear in Jesus' name. Listen, it's real important to us that if you have not received prayer that you do so get prayed for. So if you have not been prayed for yet, raise your hand so that we can see and we can get to you and lay our hands on you and pray for you. So if you have not received prayer, just put your hands up in the air. We want to make sure we pray for everyone who has responded. You, yes, oh, my King. Jesus, you, oh, my King. Jesus, you, Jesus, you, oh, my King. That's right, that's right. Jesus, You, You are my, You are my King, my God. You my King. Jesus, You are my, Oh, Jesus, You are oh, Declare You as King. Jesus, You. Oh, you, 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 Jesus, this morning, we surrender anew and afresh to you, God. We acknowledge you in prayer as our King, as our Lord, as our Savior. And God, as we leave this place... In our Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Lord, we declare that same truth over our lives. Lord, we humbly surrender and submit to you, Jesus. Now cause our lives, God, to glorify your Son. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Can we just sing uh, that old song, "All the blood of Jesus, real quick together? Just maybe the piano. Just as kind of a closing declaration as we took communion, seal it with this song of worship. Nothing but the blood. Oh precious. Oh precious. Oh, yeah. oh precious. Oh. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. You have made us whiter than snow. God, who is like you, I know nothing but the oh precious come on come on oh precious Nothing but the blood of... What can wash? Come on, one more time. Oh, what can wash away our sins? Come on. Nothing but the blood. Declare it. Declare it to Jesus this morning. What can make me whole again? Nothing but, oh precious, oh precious, oh it is precious, so precious. Yeah, oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood.
1: But
0: the blood of Jesus. What an awesome thing it is, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take this time. Think clearly about the sacrifice of Jesus. Think and meditate for just a moment. Oh, let your heart be apprehended by the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh, I feel it. Thank, you, God. Thank, you, God. thank you God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. In my heart, Jesus.
1: <laughs> Thank you, God.
0: I am forever grateful, God. Forever grateful. What a King! What a King! What a man! What a King! What oh, Jesus there is not like you. you thank you lord for not letting my heart go still and solid and hardened god thank you for softening it again this morning thank you for extending and pouring out grace upon us to love you more jesus you are good you are great you are lovely And we adore you. You know, it's moments like this, you just don't know how to close and there's no real rush. But if you feel closure, if you feel the grace to just wrap up, we want to encourage you, go ahead. You can leave, enjoy your Sunday. You know, for others who might be new here, we want to encourage you to stop by the info center. We want to get to know you a little bit more, and um, we also have a pretty cool gift that we want to bless you with. Um, but at this point, we'll kind of bring our service to a close, And but maybe the worshipers can just, just play this music in the background as we file out, and maybe some of us just linger and enjoy The presence of God. Be blessed, guys, and come back. We do this every Sunday, same place, same time.